Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome back to today's episode of Guyan Sports Pod, the soon-to-be number one sports podcast in the world. My name is Sean Guyan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Sykes. How's it going, Josh? You're doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, coming at you on a Friday, different. We had a busy week. Uh, schedules just weren't lining up. Um, I got the second COVID shot on Monday, uh, which actually, it reminds me, Josh. So, uh, it also knocked me out, knocked me out on Tuesday, so that's why we couldn't record. Josh. Yeah, yeah. I got I, mine, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I got mine a few weeks ago and I was down for the count. Yeah, no, because I was just about to ask you, uh, if you had gotten the second COVID shot yet. Um, so obviously you have, but when I got it, I was in the observation area, just sitting there. And I heard a voice in my head say, Bluetooth connection successful. Did you hear that too? I, I, I did. I you did? 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 All right, good. Yeah. So it's, it's not just me. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I can like play music in my head now. Like I don't need earphones uh, or whatever that is. But I think it's just because they're tracking us. Oh, they're tracking us, really? Yeah, it was, it was the chip that they put in. Really? Oh, that's, that's weird. Yeah, so I've been feeling weird. My neck has been bothering me. My head a little heavier. But yeah, so, all right, good, not, not just me, not just me, all right, no, not worried, not worried at all, uh, but yeah, so, got the second shot, couldn't do it then, and then just our schedules just weren't aligning until today, finally here, um, we got a lot to get to today, it's been over a week, a lot of shit has gone down, uh, and we're gonna start, we're just gonna jump right into it, talking about the Boston Bruins, so last episode that we did last Tuesday, uh, their series was tied 1-1. Uh, and they were looking good. They were looking good. They were looking uh, real good. Yeah, they were looking real good. But since then, uh, it, it, shit just hit the fan, and the Bruins lost the series 4-2. to two. They lost game six uh, Wednesday night, 6-2. to two. Uh, They lost game five also. They lost the final three games of the series, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, and, I mean, the Islanders were the, Islanders were the better team in the series. By far, uh, they just knew what they were doing. They absolutely knew what they were doing. They beat the Bruins up, which I expected. And for the Bruins to have played a physical Capitals team in the way that they beat them up, to then play the Islanders, who are a physical team, and they beat them up also. I mean, it it was just a recipe for disaster, and it ultimately was uh, disastrous. Uh, Another second-round exit for the Bruins. Um... And really, just this whole series. I mean, it was not much good happened, especially during the last three games of the series. Um, game four, you lose man, four to one. It was, it should have been two to one, but the final two empty net goals. Um, then game five at home, probably the best game of the series, in my opinion. Just both teams were clicking full speed, uh, high intensity, almost came back to tie it, uh, and they. Bruins couldn't get it done. And then game six, just an absolute fucking meltdown. Nobody showed up to play. They, Their physical bodies showed up, but their playing abilities just stayed in Boston. Uh, and it was just disgusting, really. It was absolutely disgusting. I mean, a whole lot to talk about, but I mean, the way that I look at it, it's just that the Islanders were the better team in the series. Oh, 100%. The Islanders outplayed the Bruins in every facet. Of, of probably the last final three, four games. Um, and, it, and it obviously shows with them winning the series. But the Islanders won every game that they needed to win. After game three, obviously, the Bruins were up two to one. And they still have a game. They still had a game in New York. So they won that to tie it two to two. Game five, always the most pivotal game of a seven-game series. They win that in Boston. And obviously, they finish it up in game six. So from... Game three on, it was the Islanders series to win and the Bruins series to lose, and the Bruins lost it. Yeah, definitely. It's just, I mean, Islanders just came out to play and took advantage of every situation possible. They shut down the neutral zone. The Bruins could not get anything going. At the end of games, at the end of the final three games, four, five, and six, I mean, the Islanders just attacked the Bruins zone not allowing the goalie to get to the bench to get that extra skater. I mean, it happened in every game. You, it was def, there was a minute and a half left in every game by the time the goalie finally reached the bench when it should have been like another two minutes beforehand for him to have reached the bench and the Prunes just couldn't get it out of the zone. Islanders just attacked and 
shut shut the down shut them down from advancing to puck forward from doing anything from getting anywhere they couldn't get it done and i mean it's just a lot of credit to the islanders i know i said they're the easier team for the bruins to have played but i mean it it, it they weren't the easier team i i was it, was, it probably would have been well, i i when the islanders beat the penguins i was the one that came out and said that the bruins would easily handle them and finish the series in five and I don't think I've ever been more wrong of something in my life. Yeah, I had Bruins in six. Um, this was a high-intensity, yeah. competitive, physical series in the in the Islanders outmatched the Bruins in all, all three of those. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, most notably was the Islanders' depth was by far more superior than the Bruins. I mean, you got scoring out of really only the first line. Yeah. It, during, the, during the entire playoffs, the first line scored 19 total goals. And everyone else, including defensemen, scored 14. Uh, in this series, I don't know what those stats looked like, but I know for a fact Bergeron didn't show up. It was really Marshawn, Pasternak. Um, I guess you can throw in McAvoy. He had a good series. He had a good yeah. playoffs in general. And then he, he got, um, I don't know who did it, but he got, like, a, I think it was illegal, the illegal hit to the face. Oh, yeah, face. it was. was it, it was game five or was that it game, was game six? It was game six, um, like early in the second. Yeah. Two. Like oh yeah, seconds, yeah, yeah and he goes out he seconds goes out after the play. whistle gets blown he gets yeah. a, te- a cheap shot to the fit to like the chin or the mouth area uh, I forget who it was I think it was Kyle Palmieri I'm not entirely yeah, sure yeah Kyle Palmieri um but yeah that was a cheap shot well after the whistle no penalty is called Bruce Cassidy's screaming at the bench as he should uh that was that was bad. And so, yeah, yeah, so McAvoy goes out for around six minutes of playing time, I saw. And in that six minutes, the Islanders scored twice to go up 4-1. Yeah, that second period of game six, I mean, just really was the end of the season. And there was no need to have played the third period because the Islanders had won the game already in the second. Um, They scored a bunch of those goals. I was just just sitting there. I just got home from work. I'm just sitting there eating dinner. I literally start laughing. After every goal at the end of score, I just start laughing. Like, you, I mean, oh my you, God, couldn't, you couldn't do anything other than laugh, really. Nah, you did. You can't. It was just. It was just fucking hilarious. How the so, Bruins imploded. They imploded. So we talked about the. We, yeah, one hundred percent. So we talked about how the first line was carrying all throughout the playoffs and last series and probably games one and two. So was Tuca. Yeah. And then he just absolutely disappeared after game three. There were there were there were uh, different talks about if Swayman should come in, if we should keep Tuca. Obviously, Tuca stayed in net for all six games. What do you think we should have done? I mean, but going into Game Six, or how about this, uh, Game Five? I uh, Tuca Rask is pulled, and before the start of the third period, uh, Swayman gets to start in the third. Uh, I could tell something was up with Rask. He, he just looked slow. He wasn't making the moves on the pucks that he needed to. Well, uh, did you see the report that came out? To, yeah, I, I'm going to get to the, what happened okay, today. Yeah. But in game five, I could just tell that he was not right. Something was not right with him. And then, obviously, he got pulled. Uh, game six, uh, it, he got the start. I wasn't sure if he should have gotten the start. Um, it, and so he goes in and get, we lose the game. I think if Swayman was to have started Game Six, it wouldn't have mattered. It would not have mattered if he started Game really? Six. No, not at all. Because the de- defense showed up. Defense absolutely sold on the Bruins. Grizzly had a horrible game. Right. We obviously lost McAvoy. We didn't have Carlo or Kevin Millar. I mean, it it, it was not. Right. Yeah. It was not a good defense to be in front of Brask. And then today we find out that he has a torn labrum in his hip. He's out until January, February of next season. Uh, and, I mean, he's also just had back injuries throughout this whole uh, playoff run. I think this – I think – I don't want to go out and talk down on Tuka Rask. Obviously, he's been a Boston legend for a decade now. But I think this could be a blessing in disguise. I think maybe it's time for Rask to hang up the skates, at least for the Bruins. And the Bruins should move on and give – Swimming the majority of the starts going into next year. Yeah, I'm. I know that was like my take a couple of weeks ago, saying you let Rask and Halak go, 
Uh, so swim is to start, then you reinvest in uh, your team, your skaters. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm. I I still back that. I still fully back that take, but I feel like with this injury now being him out until January or February, um, it just leaves an up door open for Swayman to get the starts, Rask to remain unsigned. If Swayman performs well, we obviously don't take Rask back, and it, or if Swayman um, regresses. Then that gives us the ability ability to re-sign Rask because he said he's not going to play for any other NHL team other than the Bruins. If the Bruins don't take him back, he'll probably go to Finland or Czech Republic, which I don't know why, but he just doesn't want to go to any other NHL team. So I think that's a good op- opportunity for the Bruins to give Swayman the starts. If he works well, if it all works out well, we don't take Rask back. If Swayman starts struggles. By the time Rask is 100% healthy again, then we resign him and he's back starting. Well, isn't isn't Rask in a contract year? He's a free agent. Yes. He's a free agent now. Yes, so exactly. So wouldn't we have to sign him before the start of next year to have him I'd, you know, I, going in and out with Swayman? I don't think so because, I mean, he's going to be out for half the season. Right. I don't think it, I don't think it matters what time he signs his contract. Okay. As long it's, as it's as long as it's before he plays. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean he's he needs to sign a contract to play somewhere. So I I think that I think that's a sensible um opportunity for the Bruins to just go about looking at how their goalie situation is, giving Swayman the starts, Rass being free agent, coming off a of surgery, no team's gonna want to resign him coming off a of, major hip surgery, which he said, by the way, he felt something pop in the bubble down in his hip last playoffs run. Tuca said this? Tuca said this, that he felt like this hip injury back in the bubble. Everything was fine until, I guess, now. Um, and even still, I mean, if he's playing on a torn labrum, yeah, if he's playing on a torn labrum in the playoffs, I still don't, I don't know why he did get the start. I'm going to talk about that. Why did he get the start if, I'm sure the coaching staff knew about it. I'm sure... Right, Bruce Cassidy and knew I'm, about I'm sh- it, and I'm sure obviously Tuca knew. Maybe he didn't know it was exactly a torn labrum, but he knew his. Oh, what labrum was it? Do you know? Not it's just a torn labrum in his hip. Okay, because I'm pretty in his hip. Okay, because yeah, there's also a shoulder labrum. That's that's what I was wondering. Um, so if it was in his hip, then obviously he would know. He has to he has to get power from his hip to hips to go back and forth between the pipes. Move. So yeah. if he didn't know it was exactly a torn labrum, he knew something was wrong. And obviously in a game six situation, if you can't go out there and put your best effort and your best talent out there, obviously with injuries, that's, you know, that's not what you're going to do. So I think Swayman should have gotten the start or at least came in when, when everybody knew Tuca wasn't right. Yeah, which, I mean, we knew everybody, we knew Tuca wasn't right in game five. He couldn't finish game five. Bruce Cassidy said it was for maintenance. Um, I don't really know if that is believable or not, but... I mean, Swayman came in. He did let up one goal, but he still made some saves. He still kept the Bruins in the game. Because um, I mean, they did make the he did they did start coming back. Uh, the goals from Pasternak and Krejci, uh to push it to five four, but they couldn't get the fifth goal. But when talking about Game Six, I mean, I'm, I'm still not sure if it mattered who the goalie was. We can talk about it all we want, but the play of the offense and the defense. I mean, I don't think it would have mattered who was in goal. The Islanders still would have just shredded us to pieces like they absolutely did, and there's nothing that any goalie could have done about it. Put in Halak, put in Vladar. I'm, those two, it, all four goalies would have had the same impact on the game. No matter who started, the, yeah. same, the impact would have been the same. And it yeah, probably think, still would have been 6-2. I think it's it's time that we give our hats off to the Islanders. We We've been talking about what was wrong with the Bruins all series long. But I think it, the Islanders, obviously, they just outplayed us, and they were the better team, and hats off to them, and I hope they beat the Lightning. Definitely. That, that, that's all that I really care about is that they beat the Lightning because the Bruins wouldn't have, and I hate, I hate the Lightning. I have not liked them for years. Um, I just don't want to see them succeed. And, I mean, they cheated the cap. They cheated the cap, and, I mean, they're playing out of their minds like they should when you cheat the cap system, but... 
Yeah, I mean, the Bruins would have not. They probably would have gotten swept by Tampa. I mean, their offense is just rolling. Yeah. There was a stat. Yeah. Uh, C, uh, NBC put up a graphic during a game. Uh, the Islanders have have the second most second period goals in the playoffs. They're one goal behind Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, it's just a show of how offensively powerful they are. The Lightning are, and mm-hmm. the the way that the Bruins' defense is just stacked up, I it, it would have been it would it would not have been pretty. It would not have been a pretty series. Um, and I feel like fans would have been even more upset if the Bruins were to have made it to the final, to the finals to play Tampa, um, and were to have gone swept. I think fans would have been more upset then than they are now. But I mean, just looking at the Islanders, were the better team. Again, like I was talking about, they have the depths. The Bruins have no depths. It's their first line, sometimes the second line, third line didn't show up, fourth line didn't show up, all series. Uh, and the Islanders, I mean, everyone was scoring on every line. Everyone was scoring everywhere. Yeah, well, uh, can we talk about the second line for a second? Yeah. Taylor Hall and David Krejci did not show up at all Yeah. Absolutely. in this in this series. Not, not one bit. We're... We're used to Taylor Hall kind of coming in and doing his thing, working. Him and Krejci usually work off each other. They did for the last half of the uh, regular season, and they were on fire in the in the first series. But I mean, they completely just disappeared against the Islanders. Yeah, uh, Taylor Hall had one empty net goal and an assist. Uh, Krejci had the goal in Game Six. Um, I don't know about other points that he had in the series, but. I mean, overall, yeah, you're right. They just, nobody showed up, uh, which is, it was tough. It was tough to see it because we also lost Craig Smith for, I think, a game. Um, but then he came back and scored. Now, he has a, uh, he had a groin injury that was bothering him. I mean, the list of people who had injuries on the team, I could, it just goes on and on. Rask, Kevin Millar, Curtis Lazar, Craig Smith, uh, Stephen Camper. There's a whole list of people who are injured. I'm sure more players are going to come out and say that they're injured. But the second line, losing Craig Smith for that game, putting in Jake DeBrusque, I think that kind of messed up the chemistry later in the series because then when they brought back Craig Smith, I mean, I'm sure Taylor Hall and David Krejci were already kind of somewhat adjusted to them playing with David, Jake DeBrusque, then having to readjust themselves to Craig Smith. I mean, it, it was a whole mess. It was a whole mess, the second line. The second line, third line, fourth line was an absolute mess. Um, now it's something that the Bruins need to address in free agency is depth. You gotta bring in guys who can perform on all on every line. I mean, just throwing out the um, the the Jake. How about the Jake Jake DeBrusque line? DeBrusque was um, who was it? Mike Riley and I'm blanking out. But it it doesn't matter what line it is. The third and fourth line did not perform the way that they should have, and they're not a good they're not a good third and fourth line in general. No, they're and it, not. Need, it just but needs I, to be fixed now immediately. Yeah, the thing with them is, I, I feel like as Bruins fans, we were used to them underperforming in the regular season and going into the playoffs. We weren't expecting them to do much, and when they didn't do much, it's not that much of a surprise. I'm not saying that's a good thing, because obviously in playoffs you need skaters, you need depth, you need everything like that, because you need speed. Playoffs is a different, is a completely different game, a completely different story. And you can't get away with stuff that you got away in the regular season. Yeah, I mean the Bruins are the Bruins are a regular season team. Yes, they go out there they and dominate in the regular season. When the playoffs come around, they stall out. They run out of gas at the worst possible times. They show you a sign of hope, like oh maybe they're maybe they're refueling now. It's a refueling stage in the first round. Then they get by the first round, and then the second round it they're fans realize and the team realizes oh we're actually about to run out of gas and that's it they die yeah right there yeah. they're they're a regular season team they succeed in the regular season when the posting comes around they just fade out and yeah like you just said it's been the story for years year after year they succeed they get they put up numbers they put up stats to make it look like they're going to go far in the playoffs when the playoffs come around they fall apart it could be in the second round. It could be in the finals, like we saw against the Blues in 2019. We can get there. We can get. We can make it to the cusp of actually winning this whole thing on a, less than a half gallon of gas. Right. But then, 
and we realize that the destination's farther away, and we run out. And it, yeah, it's in, it's been the story for the Bruins for years. Your regular season team playoffs come around, dudes fall apart, and it's that's something that needs to change. You need depth. You can't keep going with the first the first line, an old Brad Marchand, an old Patrice Bergeron, a 25-year-old David Krejci, uh, David Pasternak. Then on the second line, we got Taylor Hall, who is, I think, about to be 30, David Krejci, who's old, and Craig Smith. That's it, really. Those are the two possible lines that can give you points in the playoffs. They did for the first round. Second round, they didn't. Third and fourth lines, no shows. Guys are bums. Defensively, I mean, it's just injuries, 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 injuries. It's, it's not something that can happen in the playoffs. If you want to be a good playoff team, if you want to go far in the playoffs, you got to be fully healthy. And I'm not sure if Bruce Cassidy handled the lines managing guys who were hurt or not. I, we were asked the whole goaltender situation. I, I mean, that's a whole issue in itself. I'm not sure if. I'm not sure if Rask like lied to Cassidy about, oh, I'm fine, I can go, I can go, I feel good. It's like the athlete mentality, like, I need to go out there and perform I don't my think team. I don't think he did that. I think he probably just kept it to himself and said nothing was wrong. Yeah, yeah, like an, an athlete's mentality, like I need to go well, out there. Yeah. And perf- I need right, to go right, out there right. and perform for my team. I can't say I can't say I'm hurt. I cannot go play because it's the playoffs. I need to go out there and um, perform. But as as a coach, you have to see that one of your best players in Tuka Rask isn't performing to the best of his ability, and you have to ask him why. Yeah. And even you have to see through that athlete's mentality and say, I know this isn't this isn't your best. I know you can give us more. Why aren't you? And you you have to be honest with them. You, you especially if you're losing games, losing huge games, obviously. And games five and six, Rask wasn't his best, and obviously we lost. So when you're losing and you're costing your your team games, you have as a coach, you have to see that, and you have to probably go with your next best option. Yeah, I, and I think it probably would have been smart to have started swimming in game six. I mean, there have been runs in the playoffs before where a rookie goaltender comes in during a playoff series, takes over wins a series and goes on to the finals or the cup to win it all. I mean, that's happened before, so maybe that could have possibly been another story here where you see a rookie goaltender in Swayman comes in halfway through the season and then he has to start playing in the playoffs and it leads his team to a cup run. We most recently saw that in 2019 with Jordan Bennington. He comes in halfway through the season, starts dominating. Blues win the Stanley Cup after being in dead last at the beginning of the second year of the season. I mean, that, that those stories have happened before, so maybe that could have been another story here, but I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if, the, you know, the skaters in front of the goalie would have helped that much. Maybe, but, I mean, you just don't know. You don't know because, I mean, we see all the injuries that are happening. We've seen just a lack of uh, ability to try. They're, they just didn't, didn't show any effort really, especially in Game Six. Yeah, it was just they were just out there to just end it. They just wanted to get it over with. So, I mean, it, it just sucks that that's how it went down, and that's that's how the season ended. It it ended on a bad note. It didn't end on a good note. Where, I mean, if we lost in a Game Seven, I wouldn't be. And we, it, yeah, if we lost in a Game Seven and it was a hard fought game, then as fans, you can live with that. But, but the way that they lost. But the way that they lost, game six, two blowouts in a row. Wait, game five, was that was game five a blowout? Yeah, it was 5-4. Oh, okay. I mean, well, they, 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 held, they held a close. They held a close. Oh, blowout in game yeah. six. Second round exit. Choking in the playoffs for who knows how many years in a row. As, as Bruins fans, it's getting tiring. And I, I bet as Bruins players, it's getting tiring too. At some point, you have to ask yourself, is it, is it the players? Is it the coaching? Is it the management? Yeah, I, I feel like all three levels probably have have something to do with it, but you have to address it. Yeah, I mean, you just brought up management. I think management is a possible area to put some of the blame on. I mean, Don Sweeney's been here for 
uh, I think like six or seven years now. He's seen to, has been to the cup before. He should have. He should know that. You gotta. He should know that depth is important when it comes to the playoffs because he can't be relying on one line to give you all the scoring that you need to get far in the playoffs. You should know that by now. I mean, we saw it in the bubble last year. I mean, guys just got hurt. Guys just fell apart. It was pretty much back relying on the first line to to get us far, and they couldn't get it done. That's so we lose in five to the Lightning. And the same thing happens this year. Second round exit. First line's getting all the scoring. Nobody else is contributing. I mean, you got you. It has it. The blame is being put. I'm putting the blame. Most of the man. I'm putting sixty percent of the blame on management for this playoff failure, because they didn't bring in enough players to just add depth. You, it, that's just all what it is. Depth. You need depth. Well, the thing is, you we had it. a pretty good. I I feel like this is probably the only year where I wouldn't blame management. Because I feel like at the trade deadline, we brought in enough talent. Taylor Hall, Curtis Lazar, and was it Mike Riley? It, it, it was really yeah. just Taylor Hall, not really Curtis but Lazar. I, I feel like on defense, Curtis Lazar kind of held his own. No, uh, he's not a, def- he's not a defense. Or I meant Mike Riley, yeah. Mike Riley, Mike Riley, sorry. Right. But I, I mean, feel yeah, he like he kind of held his own, and then Curtis Lazar was kind of just a skater out there. But regardless, I feel like they did enough for the trade deadline. You bring in three players – and I don't know, especially one with the talent of Taylor Hall and for what he did with this team, I feel like they should have been went further. And this is kind of on coaching and players more than management this year, at least. Yeah, they, um, they did do well at the trading deadline. I mean, all you're doing is just bringing in uh, one offensive guy, Taylor Hall. Curtis Lazar was really just a throw-in. And then defenseman Mike Riley. I mean... Sure, Mike Riley was good. The Bruins are. It looks like there could be a possible contract extension for him to stay in Boston. But I mean, it, Taylor Hall is just one guy. He's one guy on one line. He doesn't affect the other two lines. So I mean, just going out in free agency and just signing some guys who can add the depths can really just be better than what we got now. I mean, DeBrusque, he's probably got to go. He's got to go. I'm gonna pull up the lines now, just because why not? Yeah, I feel like he's. I feel like he's got to be on his way out. We've, he's been all right before this year, but all right as a fourth, fifth year player isn't isn't gonna cut it, especially for a team like the Bruins. And then on top of this year, it's just he's been terrible. Or in this year, he's been terrible. Yeah. Um. One second. All right, so. Yeah, so the third line, I'm just going to go off game six. The third line was Jake DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle, Carson Kuhlman. Fourth line was Nick Ritchie, Sean Corelli, Chris Wagner. Nick Ritchie was good in the regular season. He was. He won the uh, fan award, whatever it's called. Um, Coyle performed at times. So did Chris Wagner. Kuhlman, I think, was just an insert because of an injury. I forget to who. Uh, Lazar. Lazar couldn't play. Um DeBrusque was just an underperformer all year. Sure, he scored those two goals at the beginning of the Capital Series, but since then, he's done nothing. Um, Sean Corrales, I mean, he's he's not good. He's not good. He should not be on this team anymore. It's possible that all you need to do is really just bring in two more, two new guys to go on the certain force line to replace DeBrusque, Corrales, and Kuhlman. Get get rid of those guys. Maybe you could trade DeBrusque. We also got the expansion draft this season, so one of these got so somebody could is just gonna be taken from the team. There's no return. So how is how are they doing that expansion draft? Do we get like players that we can lock? Yeah, there's guys that we can lock. Uh, guys who are on like um, no trade clause, uh, long term deals. They can put the Bruins can just put. It's like a yard sale. Bruins can put whatever they want out there for the okay. team to for the team to take. You have to put people there, out there. Are there like a maximum amount of players that we can lock? Like we can only I probably I don't, I don't know players. off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean all Seattle's just gonna go and take one person from every team. Like the Knights did a few years ago. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. that, that's all it is. We can protect guys. We can't protect guys. Um, it's as simple as that. But so we got to deal with that. I mean, when it just com- it just comes down to free agency, you just got to sign guys. I know last offseason they signed, I think, one person, now, and that was Craig Smith. I think they signed somebody else, but, I mean, in general, you got to go out there and you got to make some stuff. You got to sign people. You just got to go out and sign guys. You'll have money. Do you know what the You'll cap space looks like? I don't, know what it, I, don't know, I don't know what it looks like, but I know that they have money. They have money yeah. to spend. I mean, ra- one of Rask and Halak is going to be gone. That's all but confirmed, I'd say. So yeah. You don't have to look and at I, feel like there. I, I would, If I were to bet on it, I feel like I'd put my money on Halak being gone. Yeah, definitely Halak. So you don't have to worry about that million-dollar contract. Um, I mean, that just opens up even more money to sign a guy. I mean, four signers don't make much anyways. They would probably... Right. The maximum I would give a four signer is like two million, and that might be a little much. So yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at some, uh, some contracts right now. Yeah. And, I mean, I some of these guys I've never heard of, and they're not even making a million dollars. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just how that's how the NHL works. But Halak is making two two and a quarter mil. Swayman's not even making a million, and neither yeah, is Lukar. Yeah, those guys are young; they're on a rookie deal, so they're not going to. No, right? Money. I know, I know, but. Um. But yeah, I I think that's just really what the offseason has to look like for the Bruins is just going out there and signing depth guys. It has to be something that the Bruins address because solid depth depth guys at that. You can't just go out there and sign whoever just cause. Yeah, you have to go out there with a purpose and know what you need. And it's probably going to be defense on on the at least for depth, you know. I mean, d- defensively we're okay. It's just injuries just piled injuries, up. Yeah, I guess injuries just really piled up. Um, I'd I'd say you really do have to go offense. You can't rely on the first line all season, uh, and entering the playoffs especially. So you got to look at some third and fourth line offensive guys. Defense, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they'll bring in somebody else. Um, but no, it, it, ha- it has to, it has to be offensively minded and offensively focused offseason, I'd say. Resigning Taylor Hall and David Krejci, uh, they both say that they would come back for less money, which is good, which is really good news. Uh, Taylor Hall, especially today. Yeah, because Taylor Hall's Taylor Hall's contract is is four million straight up just right now. Yeah, and he's gonna obviously he's a free agent, but yeah, I mean, he said he would, today that he's made enough money in his career that. Now he can look at taking a team-friendly deal, yeah. which is big news. Because I mean, people were thinking of him possibly making uh, five to six million a year for I don't know how many years. But I mean, if he's if he's ta- willing to take a team-friendly deal, I'd see that being as like three and a half to four and a half million per year, maybe a little less, probably a little less. But that's big news. Krejci also saying he would take less money to return. That's good news because hopefully again we can see that next season, we can see more we we can see more out of those two next season, if yeah. when they come back if they come back, but Krejci also said he wouldn't play for any other team. So, I mean that it's just all good news to hear that when it comes to those two, but I mean overall it was a it was a bad series. Islanders won in every aspect of the game, um, and I mean they deserve to be moving on. Bruins don't. They need to learn. They need to learn already that you can't rely on one line to go far in the playoffs. It's been. I feel like it's been the same series or story in every series since God knows when. 2011, since the Cup win. Yeah. It, yeah. Back then we had depths. We had guys on the fourth line. Sean Thornton. They 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 were scoring. They were out there making an impact. Right. Now it's just not. So it's it's good. It hopefully that'll change. But no, Islanders Islanders deserve to move on. Bruins just need to learn their fucking lesson already. All right, now we're gonna switch gears. Uh, talk about the Celtics. Their season, if you didn't know this, Josh, their season is over. They lost yep. in five to the Nets. Um, and Danny. Wait, and- sorry. I didn't. I wanted to say something before we moved on Go. from the Bruins. Go. I just want to ask you what you think the turning point in the series was. 
from being up two to one and then losing three straight and losing the series. Well, we won game three in overtime. Yes. That was kind of, that was that was kind of a really just back and forth game. I I'd say I'd say maybe just game four. It it really was just game four. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree I'm gonna agree with you that it was game four. But I think the one blaring moment was David Pasternak's miss, miss net. Yeah, wide open that was awful, dude. I couldn't believe it. I missed. I didn't see it live when it first happened, but when I saw it post game, I mean, I just had like the same reaction. I mean, that he it, did. Was, it was it was basically an empty net. It was he was wide open. Yeah, I mean, I. People are saying it was the wrong move. It was wrong for him to have taken the, the one time right there. I say it was. It's. I think it was the right move because you want to get the shot off before the goaltender has any time to get yeah. over and possibly yeah. have even the slightest chance of making a save. Because we've seen goalies make saves before was just a blade of their skate. I mean, we've yeah. seen that before. So I think it really was the what the right move for him to have taken the one time right there. But um, it was just bad aim. Yeah, I mean, I, that's just the one moment where I'm looking back at. Because it, it was only in the first period of the game. There's still a lot of hockey to be played. But if we scored that, if we netted that, it would have been a 2 nothing game moving forward. Yeah, that was So that was if, you win, if you win game four and you go up 3-1, to one, who knows how the rest of the series plays out. That would have been huge. That absolutely would have been huge. I still think maybe it could have gone seven by then. Right. But, no, nah, that, that, was, that was bad. I mean, now I'll give you some credit for reminding me because I forgot, but I also don't like you for reminding me about that because <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. But all right, so again to the Celtics now. So Celtics season's over. Lose to the Nets in five. Uh, two days later, Danny Ainge retires. Brad Stevens takes his spot as president of basketball operations, uh, and that was just an absolute fucking explosion, a huge bomb. Yeah. And I don't. I don't think anybody saw that coming. No, to see Brad Stevens, a young guy, move into the front office, um, leave coaching. I mean, that that was a shock. I did not see that happening at all. I saw it. If anything, if he was going to leave coaching, it was because he was going to get fired. I didn't see it because he was going to be uh, almost promoted, even though it, even though he's not calling it a promotion. I mean, I'd call it. I feel like everybody would call that a promotion. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it is. But you're given more power. Yeah, so, I mean, just what are your first thoughts on when that happened? What were your first um, thoughts when you saw that happen? I was I was shocked, really. I think Danny Ainge was comfortable with what he was doing. I just don't think he liked the backlash he was receiving from literally everyone in the basketball world, other GMs, other coaches, obviously the whole other the whole league, really, and then the fans. He was getting backlash from everybody, and I, I just don't think he could have he could have dealt with it. And that's that's why he stepped down, but the move to uh, to move Brad Stevens up was what shocked me more, because obviously he hasn't produced as a coach. So why would you give him uh, why would you give him a promotion if he's anything like a coach in in this president basketball operations? We're gonna get cucked. I mean. He's gonna he's gonna try to make a trade, and then another team is gonna lowball him, and he's gonna be like, "Oh, okay, here, take everybody, and I'll just take a second round pick." You know, I feel like he just doesn't have the balls to be a GM to make basketball moves with these top dogs that have been in the game for a while now. Yeah, I, that make, that makes sense. I still think he's going to be the participation trophy award coach, just in the front office now. Um, he's gonna be like the league manager who tells every coach that you have to give out participation trophy awards to the players, no matter how bad they are. Uh, I I really don't know what to expect, really, because, I mean, the guy's a coach. He is a coach. He's not a front office guy. He's too young to be a front office guy. I mean... He's going to get eaten alive by, by the guys that have been in the game for 30 years. Do, yeah, doing what doing the job that he's doing. He has no right. experience being in the front office. He's always been a coach. Um, I, I, I see it going two ways. and I mean, it's pretty simple, the two ways that it could go. It's either going to work out well or it's not going to work out well. As simple as that. <laughs> it's just as simple well, yeah. as that. Yeah. 
I mean, there's, there's, well, there's, there's not, there's not going to be any in between. The thing about the NBA nowadays is it's 100% a player run league. Definitely. Definitely. He, so Brad Stevens stepping into this position right now, he's already got a lot on his plate. Nope. Dealing Kemba potential moves with Jalen Brown. If we can get a, a star star to line up with Tatum and just depth, you know, every, everything with the Celtics team is a moving piece. There's probably one, there's probably two, three max locked players on this team. And Brad Stevens just has to come into that position and, and deal with everything. And I don't know if he's meant for it. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, you definitely want to bring in a coach. You definitely want to bring in right. a coach because, right. I mean, that's, you need a cut, you need a head coach, obviously. But um, I feel like you also want, he, the coach has to be, the coach has to be approved by Tatum and Brown. You just talked about possibly trading away Brown. I don't see that happening yet. Not this season, not next season. I feel like at least maybe we have a minimum of three more years with, with Tatum and Brown together. Yeah. If things don't work out then, I I could see a possible breakup. But you want to bring in – he's got to bring in a coach that is both – wanted by Tatum and Brown, because those are the two young guys. They're the two stars of the team, two all-stars. I think that's kind of priority number one right now because we the players just tuned out Brad. It, it, it's, yeah. more, it's more than obvious that the players just pretty much said, fuck you, coach, we're just going to go out there and ball. We're not exactly. going to ball, but we're just going to play basketball. I mean, they, they just didn't stop listening to Brad. Brad could not get anything going to his players. So they get rid of Brad, they move him to the front office, and now I think it's more important to bring in a coach that can connect with the players. So what, you think they want to bring in like a young coach? He's been talked or about... Someone, that, someone that, that's played, that knows the game? He's been talked about a lot. I think he's the guy that they're going to hire, Chauncey Billups. Former, oh, play, former okay. player. Former I thought player. you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to go Jason Kidd, but I could, I could also get down with jo- Chauncey Billups. I mean, too. he is a former player. It's yeah. going. To, it's going to be a former player. It's going to be a you former think? player, definitely. Um, another another name that I, I heard uh, that was thrown around a lot was Becky Hammond. She's yeah. uh, is the assistant coach in San Antonio, San Antonio yeah. and she she took over for Pops a lot. Really, Pop uh, gave her the reins at least for the last half of the season, and let her run practices, let her call uh, coach during in game situations. So. I don't know much about her. I don't know how the players like her in San Antonio, but she's been around she's for a while. Be doing something right, yeah. Yeah, she's been around for a couple of years, so she must be doing something right. And I, I look, I look at that pop giving uh, Hammond a bunch of opportunities to like coach. I see that as like a resume booster for a possible coaching oh, 100%. job. Because pop is one of the, probably a top three coach of all time, and yeah. when when he's got nothing but good things to say about you, you know, you you know, you're a good coach. You know, you can get things done. Um, and if, if she can provide something positive for the Celtics, I'm all for it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just look at it. I look at it as I I feel like the Celtics are going to want somewhat go in the same direction as the Nets, where we bring in former right. we bring in a former player to be the coach. I mean, Billups is Billups, Billups is a, an assistant coach right now with the Clippers. Nash they just picked up off the streets. He yeah. has no coaching experience whatsoever, but I feel like the Celtics are going to want to go in somewhat that same direction just because he is a former player and former player coaches, former players who turn into coaches. I mean, it could lead to being success- successful, especially if the Nets win it all this year, which I see that happening. But oh, they're yeah. just playing right now. They're absolutely out of their mind. Um, the thing, so Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups both have a, have a ring. But the thing about Chauncey Billups, he has a finals MVP. He was obviously the leader of that 2004 Pistons team, yeah. while Jason Kidd was probably ninth or t- the tenth man on the 2011 Dallas Mavericks team that beat LeBron. So I don't, I don't know if they're looking for championship pedigree, but if they were, if that was like a big factor in their coach search, I feel like they'd have to go with Chauncey Billups. Yeah, and I mean, Billups was a Celtic before. He yes. had He had some years in Boston, so there's also that, but... I mean, championship pedigree, playing in the finals, I don't think that really matters because, I mean, again, talking about the Nets, Steve Nash, he didn't. He never made the finals, did he? No. 
He was with the Suns and then like the Lakers no. for a couple of years. Um, so he never made the finals. He never achieved that high uh, area and of the NBA. Phillips well, did that. Steve, add, that adds Steve to his Nash, resume. Steve Nash was also a, a two two time MVP winner. Yeah, there is that. Furthest he's ever won in the playoffs was the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, but I mean, Billups having the uh, championship pedigree, winning a championship, winning the Finals MVP, that adds to his resume. That adds a yes. championship mentality. Right. I mean, you could possibly say the same thing about Brad Stevens, even though he made it to the. Uh, NCAA uh, championship game with Butler uh, back-to-back years, I think. I know he made it to the Final Four back-to-back years, but he made it to the championship at least once. And they, they almost won. They they lost yeah. on a buzzer beater. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Brad, that that's just a different story. I just look at it as the Celtics are going to want to bring in a former player, uh, former Celtic, even though he wasn't here long. Uh, I feel like he's going to be approved by Tatum and Brown. Cause, I mean, he's also he's also coaching on the Clippers, who have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, for him to now come in here, have pretty much a duo, also a duo of all-star players to work with. I mean, he has experience working with du- a duo of all-stars. So I see him as being the number one candidate. And they have permission to talk to him. I think it's really just... By the time the Clippers are eliminated from the playoffs, whenever that could be, it'll be like they a few have, days they afterwards. Have, they have permission to talk to Chauncey Billups right now? Yeah. Yeah, they have permission to talk to Billups, uh, Darvin Ham, and Charles Lee Charles Lee of the Bucks, uh, Jamal Mosley of the Mavericks, and Ime Udoka from Brooklyn. So they've, been, they've already gotten permission to talk to guys. Um, it's just... So- what, what do you so? What do you do? You think what's the most likely thing to happen? Do you think for what? For coach search, do you think it's it's going to be a player, a player coach like um, Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd, or do you think we're going to go in a different direction? I, I think it is going to be Billups. I think he's going to be the next Celtics head coach. All right. Um, I mean, just that's just how, that's just how I look at. It. I see that as being the guy that the Tatum and Brown both like. They both want him because he's a former player. He has played. He's coached All Stars. Um, I mean, it's, I don't know how long he's been with the Clippers. I mean, if he's been there since the uh, Doc River years, I mean that just probably adds some good re- uh, resume. Adds something good to his resume. I don't. I think this is probably one of his first years coaching because I know Chauncey Phillips has been a commentator on TNT and ESPN a lot for playoff games and regular season games. So I don't. I don't remember when he stopped doing that, but it had to be either in the bubble or this year. So um, I'm looking it up when he started coaching. Um, all right. Well, I have no idea. But, I mean, if anything, uh, as long as he has the experience of coaching, I mean, that's really all that matters. I don't see the Celtics going down the Nets route of just hiring a former player who has no experience coaching whatsoever. Because um, I also feel like he, uh, Brad's going to go after a coach that can wait a year or two before making a real playoff push. Because I think that's how long, it's going to be another year or two before the Celtics actually make a push in the playoffs for uh, making it far. Like, I don't see I don't see them next season being a championship-caliber team. Maybe the season, depending on how well next season goes, next season after that, it could be the same thing. But at least in three years, will the Celtics possibly be back in the championship hunt? Uh, they just need to improve, a, they need to improve their chemistry, and you find an actual point guard. Uh, they need to boost up the bench. There's a lot of work that needs to be done that I, don't see, I'll, I do not see happening in one year. So bringing in Billups, it'll uh, improve. The, the longer he's here, the long, the better the relationship possibly will be with him and Tatum and Brown. 
so you you just said yeah. there's a lot of things that need to be fixed that probably can't be fixed in one year. So do you think we take another down year to fix these things and come back the next year better than before? No, I mean we'll we'll compete, we'll compete right. next year. Yeah. Just we won't. It's we'll be we'll be like the uh, I don't know. We'll we'll be, we'll make the playoffs. We'll not make it far in the playoffs. We won't make it to the finals. I mean, I can put that in stone right now. The Celtics well, I, will not go to the finals. I think next I season. think everybody can put that in yeah. stone right now. Yeah, I mean we're, we're going to compete in everything. It's just we need to we need some time. We're to just build. I feel like we're just one one or two things away from being with the top teams in the league. Yeah, I mean we were we were amongst the top teams in the team in the league last year and for the year before that. But now, I mean, this season, every, everything that happened this year, I mean, it just took the Celtics down. Um, I don't see them making it back to top three in the East for at least another two years. We need to, we just need to rearrange, reorganize. Well, especially, yeah. kind of especially with the addition of Kevin Durant and obviously James Harden, the super team in Brooklyn, it's going to be hard to be better than that team, you know? Tatum literally did everything he could to even give the Celtics a fighting chance in the first round series. Fifty points. What 40, he had forty and fifty, 50 40, back thirty. Back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fifty, forty, thirty. With a bunch of G League players and rookies, he didn't have his number one guy, his partner in crime, Jalen Brown. I mean, for the, obviously for the whole series. I think that game goes at least six game, or that series goes at least six games with Jalen Brown. And then obviously if Kemba's healthy and it, if he played like we knew he could, that's a different story. Cause obviously we didn't see any good thing from Kemba all year long. So that's why I think we need to ship out Kemba and get someone in return that can really help this team and not just have filler players. Yeah. And I mean, the, the report yesterday is that the Celtics and Kemba want to separate. They don't want to be here. They don't want to be right. together anymore. There's now, a it, breakup incoming is what, is what I saw. Yeah. From both parties. Both parties want that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of just what I said. Yeah. Um, but it, it just comes down to now the tough task of trying to get rid of Kemba on this ta- contract. Um, you're not going to release him. That's absolutely out of the possibilities. Trading him, I don't know what team could want to take him on. Oklahoma City, I guess Dave been mentioned. Yeah, that was probably the top spot I saw. Um I mean, Jesus, bless you. Um, maybe. Nah, not Portland. I was gonna say Portland. Oh, Portland, yes. Because if Dame, if Dame wants out, which he probably will, because that team doesn't help him in the slightest. If Dame wants out, we could package Kemba. Probably we'd probably have to give up Pritchard, which is fine, and probably Neesmith with with a few, actually more than a few picks. Uh, yeah, future. it'll be a haul. Then, it'll be a haul. Yeah, uh, it would be a haul just for in return getting Damian Lillard, which I would 100% be on board with. If we can pair Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, that's the best trio in the NBA, probably outside of Brooklyn. Yeah, that that's that would be good. Um, a good lineup to have, and maybe that could propel them back into possibly being a championship team this season, if that was the case. But um, when it comes to like salary cap, cap space, I don't know what Portland's situation is. Not really sure what Celtics are, but I know that a trade like that maybe it could work. Maybe it could work out. Portland could go into a, like a rebuild or some sorts, or it's Kemba being like the centerpiece uh, around the guy around it. You know, like give him some. It'll take like a two or three year re, two or three year rebuild in a time frame. Kemba can I don't know fix up his knee and be like a Chris Paul, be like the, a veteran leader on a team full of young stars. It just depends on how well they do in the draft and free agency and stuff. Um, so, yeah, maybe Portland. Maybe Portland could be a possibility. I, yeah. But, <sighs> I just I, – I don't like how many question marks there are with this team still. Oh, yeah. yeah and there's a lot. There's a lot. And it's going to take time to like, get through them all. I feel like this team, for as good as they are and – probably should be obviously should have been a should have been better than a seventh seed it's it's the team with the most question marks in the nba by yeah. far 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's a there's a whole it's a whole mess of a situation. I don't know how Brad's gonna handle it, but um, yeah. It it it's gonna take it it's gonna take time to fix. Um, and who knows? Who knows if it will be Brad? Because there's also been the theory that uh, the Celtics only moved Brad up to being president, so that in a year or two from now they can then fire him because of that massive contract that he's on. Yeah. He, he signed that six-year deal, what, last year? So yeah. to fire him a year into it, that's not going to look good. Another year after that? Or well, another he, year or two he, after that? Is he still on that same contract? Yeah, six just years. Like, the six-year deal. GM, though? Or president of basketball, basketball yeah, operations? Yeah, yeah he's okay. still on the same contract. Okay. So there's been the speculation that he's only been promoted to president of basketball operations just so they could get him out of being the head coach, and you think there's going to be like he's just the face of president of basketball operations, but you think there's going to be like a behind the scenes guy, actually making basketball moves? Maybe, maybe I I, I wasn't going that pass. I was saying like right. the Celtics are only making him the president so that in yeah. a year or two they can then fire him just so he did a contract doesn't hurt them that much. But, but that, that's I, also a good point. Reason, the only reason I went in that direction is because why would you? Why would you give a guy a promotion, give him more power to potentially screw up the team even further if you just wanted to fire him? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that makes sense. Um, I mean, he's, he hasn't worked out well here. Maybe the players are still going to look at it as this guy, their former head coach is still on the team. He's now making more roster moves. We still aren't going to like listen to him or whatnot. I don't know. I don't really know how that's going to go down, but that's a good point that he's just a face of being the president um, when in reality there's somebody behind the scenes that's actually making all the moves. Um, who knows? Who knows what it could be? I Maybe that's the case. I'm not sure, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, so... It's going to be interesting next season. going to be a lot more interesting now than it was a week ago. Right. Um... Yeah, so actually, I want to talk one more thing um, about the Celtics. This free agency, this off season. Besides, you know, getting rid of Kemba, getting rid of Kemba, and uh, other contracts that aren't good, getting rid of players who aren't good. Uh, for example, Grant Williams. Uh, what should the Celtics really do this off season? What is their number one priority outside of getting rid of Kemba and? Grant Williams. Um, if it's not getting a third guy, then it's getting depth. I feel like they just have to add scoring and defense. So, really, every facet of the game. But the I, I haven't seen this anywhere. But I feel like it's really important. You need a facilitator. It sounds crazy to say, but our number one facilitator right now is Robert Williams. He might not have the assist numbers to show, but our offense really runs through him. He he sets screens to get players open. He he's probably the third pass in a five pass play. You know, he always touches the ball on offense, and it's crazy to th- say because even Jason Tatum doesn't always do that. So you need a guard to facilitate. You know. Yeah. To get sense. the ball into Tatum and Brown's hands to make those passes that Kemba couldn't make. Yeah, um, and really, I mean, just looking at a, a second big guy because Rob Williams' injuries can, injury concerns, um, just him not being healthy all, a lot of the time, I feel like as good of a player as he is, is he sustainable enough throughout, a, throughout the regular season where he's getting real playing limits, real playing limits, because he's going to be starting next year. I mean, yes. I feel like that's 100. another confident thing that we can say. It's just when he does go down or when he does come to the bench, who's his replacement? It can't be Tristan Thompson. It can't be Tristan Thompson. Because, sure, Thompson has his moments, but overall, I mean, he's not a starter anymore. So you got to replace him. Um, you just need a backup. That's all you really need. You just need a backup big. So when Rob is not on the court, somebody else is who can produce. Can produce efficiently. Better than what you had this season. So I feel like that's something else. And, I mean, the draft, 
Summer League great draft this year, is it? I don't really think it is. No, it's Yeah. I no. knew it. But you have you have who knows? obviously you have those top five guys that you always have, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, uh Cade Cunningham. But when you get to those spots like Yeah, outside the top five. Uh, do you know what our draft do you know what our draft pick is this year? Uh I, I just, off I the top of my head, I have no idea. No I idea. think it might be 16. So when you get down to that spot right there, there's really never a big name. So, I mean, yeah, they we'll, don't see, have anyone. we'll see what's there when we have it. Yeah, they don't own any draft picks, just drafts. So. Oh, they don't? No, I'm pretty sure they don't. So awesome. It's, yeah. I feel like that could have been a place where maybe they hit somebody. Um, nobody on Michigan State that I like making the Celtics team because Michigan State sucked this year. Um really just no bigs off the top of my head that I can think of. But, yeah, I mean, it's just overall a lot of question marks that the Bruins can uh, address. Celtics. They need to address. Uh, Celtics, yeah, Celtics. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be here to talk about it. But uh, – No, we have we have our first and second this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have, we just, have, I thought you just said we don't have any. Oh no! I, we don't have any other team. We don't have any oh, other oh, picks oh, 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 oh. besides yeah, those. Right, right. We don't own any picks that aren't the Celtics. We don't own any team picks, any other team picks. Yeah. No, I got it. I got it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, yeah. So we'll hear. We'll be here to talk about. It, and we'll be here. We'll probably talk about it again next week, next Tuesday. But uh, that's it for today's show. We got stuff on the internet. So stuff on the internet. Josh, what do you got? All right. Sean, you ever watched any of the Marvel movies, Avengers, anything like that? I've watched two, uh, All right. Infinity War and Black Panther, and I've seen All bits right. and well, pieces of others. Well, as we know, Marvel and Disney Plus have teamed up, obviously, and they've been releasing shows here and there. And on yeah. Wednesday, they released Loki. I want, now, that's... Loki, is, Loki is the brother of Thor, Thor probably one of the most famous superheroes. And I have I have yet to watch it, but I've seen a few reviews, and I think it's probably going to be one of the better shows that Marvel and Disney Plus has has released. So I'm excited, um, and yeah, that's about it. Not much. I want to see Loki. I've always liked yeah. Loki from the few yeah. from the bits and pieces of movies that I've seen. I've always liked Loki. Um, so I I've thought about it. I might I might get Disney Plus just to watch it, and I mean I'd also. I guess according to my brother, who's a big, big Marvel fan, yeah. uh, he told me that I should watch probably a lot of the Thor movies beforehand, just yeah, to understand, just, just to understand like the backstory of Loki. Yeah. So I really don't have a lot of time for that, but no, I I do want to see Loki. I really do want to see Loki. Yeah. So no spoilers. Really good. No spoilers. All right. All right. Uh, so my stuff on the internet. So first take, yesterday, uh, Kendrick Perkins, the contributor to the show always on the show um he and rapper quavo have been beefing on twitter because quavo in a line from a song a couple of years ago uh yeah back in 2018 uh one of the songs included the lyric get no playing time kendrick perkins so kendrick kendrick has been going back and forth with quavo because uh the migos just dropped a new album last night um, so they had Quavo on yesterday. Stephen A. was not happy at all about it. The interview went on for like three minutes. The clip that I saw, it went on for like three minutes. Um, Stephen A., he said, I knew absolutely positively nothing about this quote-unquote beef or whatever it is between y'all. Quavo loves his basketball, knows his basketball. Perk is a champion and clearly a paid analyst on this network. You know your basketball, and now it's about talking basketball. How about that? So he just wanted to talk basketball, uh, and they didn't talk basketball at all. Uh, by the time the egg, by the time it ended, by the time their interview ended, it was at the end of the show, uh, and Stephen A. was pissed. He was not happy at all. They talked about the playoffs for like a total of thirty seconds throughout the entire show, I guess. Um, Max Hellerman said that was entertaining, with a smile. And Stephen A. said, I didn't like it one bit. Uh, Stephen A. Had explained why. And then he starts packing up with the, with the camera still on him. He starts, like, closing his laptop, packing up all the stuff, putting his glasses away. 
while the camera's still on just, him and let me then just take the camera this. off and they don't put it back like, on him. And he was I bad. feel like Stephen A is a big baby. You know, he's obviously famous and he's obviously con- contributed a lot to the sports world and broadcasting world. But one, his takes suck. Yeah, Two, they're rough. He's just he he can't take being wrong. And three, I don't. I mean, I, he's just loud. That's why he's famous because he's loud. And I'll make it famous. And I, I, obviously, it's working for him. So <laughs> he's do, he's doing whatever he needs to do. But I just, as an analyst, as a broadcaster, I don't think he's a good sports broadcaster. Yeah, I mean, now just get you get ready for him talking about hockey. Now that's gonna be oh something God, to watch, dude. But, I know. Yeah, so that was funny. I watched a clip. He was clearly, clearly upset not being able to talk about basketball at all. When he was get, he was asked for his prediction about the Bucks Nets game, game three. Uh, he just flat out said Bucks. Bucks will win tonight. That's it. Didn't explain why. Even I said yeah, that. Yeah, Stephen A. He was he was mad. He was mad that he couldn't That's, talk basketball throughout the entire show. Oh my god! But hey, he Bucks did win, so I guess he did something right. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening. Weird week. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk more about the Bruins, uh, Celtics, getting into the Red Sox now, baseball season. Uh, Patriots start soon. Getting back into the Patriots. So, yeah, that's the plan. Thank you guys for listening. Want to run back on Tuesday, Josh? Sounds like a plan. All right, tell your friends, tell your mothers, tell your mother's friends and your friends' mothers, and we'll see you guys next week.